Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells. The Hope Station is a place to hear amazing interviews, great transformational stories, and learn about the power of faith and hope to change your life. A podcast that proves living purposefully is possible. Are you ready for your own transformational story? Do you want to turn a new chapter in your life or career? There's hope. Schedule a free consult call with me to stop feeling hopeless and gain the hope you need to have the life you deserve. Information of how to schedule that appointment is in the show notes. You can also connect with me through my website, Diane Bells, uh, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. Are you ready for another great interview? Hello and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I am your host, Diane Bells, and today uh, my guest is Star. And Star is going to give a little bit of background, but this month I'm talking about the pain, the shame, and the challenges with addiction. And we think, oh, I'm I'm not an addict, and I found out I was addicted to all kinds of things sweet. So and it would control my mind and I would just crave it. And, you know, it's hard. I was addicted to just watching, binge watching TV, to shopping, to do things to make us feel better. And my words for this year are story, wisdom, and freedom. Mm -hmm. So Star is going to share her story. She's going to give us some wisdom and she has a lot of it, even though she's half my age, <laughs> and um, just how she broke free from her addiction. So Star, thanks for coming on and for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks, Diane. I'm so glad to be here um, and just excited to talk with you. Um, so yeah, like Diane said, my name is Star, Star Lutzis. Um, I have a publishing company called Aligning Purpose. Um, and then I've also um, authored two books and then working on some more as well. So, um, yeah, so my journey with um, addiction, really, it started um, when I was younger, I had a lot of pain in my life. Um, and so there was just like a lot of sadness and a lot of emptiness going on. Um, and I had always been trying to escape from it um, in different, you know, different ways. And so when I had first found, you know, my drug of choice, um, for me, it was it was really like hanging out with my best friend, like the love of my life, you know, is is sort of the feeling um, okay. that I had got from it. Um, and really, it just it, it began, it, it began sort of taking over my whole life, kind of slowly, but also very intensely, right? And and you don't always realize it. Um and there was probably like a decade, maybe a little bit more where, um, you know, people didn't actually know me outside of being loaded. Um, you know, it, it got so intense that people would come up to me, let's say if I hadn't, you know, gotten high that morning or maybe hadn't um, reloaded yet that afternoon, you know, people would come up to me and be like, hey, are you okay? Uh, because of sort of that, you know, that drop. Um, Can we just and, go back a little bit? Yeah. When you're saying empty and sad, now mm -hmm. I, I want to know how Star felt in that emptiness. What What do you feel? 
what were the emotions? Would something trigger it? Or is it just this like blanket of sadness, this cloud of emptiness that was constantly hanging over you? You know, really it showed itself for me in anger and being okay. where I am at now, I can pinpoint that it was sadness, um, but it mm -hmm. showed up in my life as anger. And so I was just angry all the time. Um, and I had a lot, I had a lot of valid reasons to be angry. Um, and I didn't have support systems or outlets um, that was able to connect with me on a level to sort of walk me through why am I angry and how can we resolve situations so that you can show up in spaces and feel comfortable, basically. I totally understand that sadness and anger. It seems like it's an easier emotion to deal with and utilize and when I lost my husband, about the year after, oh my gosh, the anger was unbelievable. Angry yeah. about everything. And I don't even know who I became. Right. I didn't know what to do with the sadness. So I just became angry. And right. in uh, 2020, there was a lot to be angry about. <laughs> right. <laughs> sort of like, who am I becoming? And my daughter-in-law actually, out of the kindness of her heart, addressed that with me. Like mm. you're bringing this into the house and it's not good. So we made a commitment right. to one another of different behaviors that weren't the best for us. You know, me sharing anger. She was sharing something else that we agreed to just not bring that into the house. And it was a struggle. Yeah. So I, I get that. And I know it was anger trying to do something with the sadness I was feeling. Yeah feels more like you're doing something, right? <laughs> you're angry. Right. There's an action to it. You're verbally right. saying it in sadness. It feels like you're just moving in and you're getting smaller, but that anger gives you some sort of power and energy. At right. least I was, that was the craziness I was feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the, uh, the feeling of sadness is, is almost so overwhelming that I think I just also didn't want to feel that. So it was just like, ah, you know, like I'm sad, you know? And so that it's like, what can I do to push that out? Um, and it just came out in, in very unhealthy ways. Okay. Well, that is, yeah, I, and it, I just knowing when people feel that way, it hurts my heart to know because I know yeah. the pain of it. I know, like, right. how do I get out of this? How do I stop it? So how did how did you decide that how to get out of the sadness and emptiness would be to start using? I mean, it started, it didn't start like right away with, you know, picking up drugs. Um, it was as easy as taking a drink, you know? Um, and then I sort of became... Anytime I was off, I was drinking. Um, and it's harder to, what I found, some people can do it, but for me, it was harder to show up to work drunk and to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was literally just a a weekend, you, um, you know, 
alcoholic, right? Like I would party all the time, really hard, you know, like we would basically go through a huge bottle. Um, and it was just like, it was insane. And so then I started hanging around people who were using different drugs. Um, and, you know, one night I tried it and, um, I thought this was what I was missing in my whole life and, and pretty much stopped drinking really. Uh, because, you know, drinking, I would, there was more, uh, repercussions that I had noticed, um, mm -hmm. from drinking. Whereas for me, I could still fully function while being high. Um, and I will preface this too, because I have, um, ADD. And so as a young child, like first, second, third grade, um, I was on Ritalin because at the time they would tell, you know, right. parents, mm -hmm. this is, this is the cure. And really what it was is that they were overdosing me on drugs at a young age. And so I would show up to class, basically zombied out, right. out of my mind. Right. And I had learned at that point, this is how people like me. Wow. You know, and so when Wait, I found my drug you, of choice, okay. it brought that back. Wow. When you just think of that, they're trying, because hyper, I have, you know, a son hyperactive and it was, my daughter would have, you know, issues with that as well. But to just, you know, there were other things that we, we were doing to help. And there was a big sign in the the door to his school that says, say no to drugs. And then mm. the teachers are saying, give him drugs. Right. And I, well, he would come home from school and say, I am so exhausted. He would take a nap. And I said, why are you so tired? He goes from trying to stay still. Yeah. That, you know, that it's like we're trying. And when you think of, when I think of him, when I think of you, your light and energy, like why would anyone want to suppress that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know you're bouncy and I, you know, I know bouncy people and there's part of it that's saying, I don't want that bounciness to go away. That they're Right. <laughs> so that's an interesting thought that you found that people liked you in a more comatose, quiet, suppressing your, uh, did it suppress your creativity at that age? What were some of the things that it was doing to you and your identity? Me at a young age, I don't fully remember. I don't think it, it in terms of like my creativity, I think I have always been very creative. Um, I do remember a lot that I was, that I was angry and so that it also did kind of help. It numbed out all the emotions, really, like okay. happiness, even, you know. Um, and a, a belief that I had gained from, you know, my addiction was that it actually makes me more creative. Like that's a, that's a belief that I had mm -hmm. um, because I had I had been using for so long. Um, and I was, you know, I, I thought I was more creative. I thought I was uh, more productive. I thought I was more enjoyable. You know, I thought all of these things um, that recently, you know, by celebrating my my one year a couple of days ago, I realized that's not actually true. I'm still very creative. Right. Um, and so it could have been that I've always just been so creative 
that it kind of, you know, poured out of that. Well, I think it's just the the lies of the liar and then and the drugs are liars. <laughs> they're liars. Right. You know, yeah. it's pretending things are okay when they're not. It's right. masking something. It's lying right. to you. I'm not in pain. I don't feel sad. I don't feel empty. But the thought that taking drugs, you know, as a kid, that it was even taking away the emotion of happiness, like I, the, I, the, that just is, oh my gosh, I, I can't even imagine to feel like you're that numb at such a young age. Right. And how did you fight through with this? What was the turning point that's saying, Star, you can't do this anymore? Did you have an intervention? Did you have, you know, <laughs> The Holy Spirit comes shining down upon you. What was it that had you? You know, yeah. Start saying no. It, it, it was very interesting because a lot of people were like, were kind of perplexed why I would even want to stop using, because it, it, I was still able to function, right? Like I could still have a job, I could still have a car, I could still pay my bills, right? Like, um. So I think when I kind of was pivoting out of that, um, it was kind of, there was just a lot of why, you know, like, cause it wasn't, nobody came to me and was like, I think you need to stop using, um, you know, it wasn't like a court mandate or anything like that. It literally was one, I mean, it was God really. Right. Um, and it was one day, it was in January, 2019. And I woke up and I had this thought, what would it be like to be clean? Because it had been so long. I had no idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how people got up every day and went to work. I didn't know how people took a shower, you know? Like, um, clean, basically, right? Like, I didn't know how that happened or what that would feel like. Mm. But it took me so long to get a year um, because, again, you know, emotions, right? But I never had dealt with that sadness, so then now that it's not being suppressed, it would kind of come up. Um, and I had, when you're, when you're feeling new emotions and you've oppressed them for so long, um, there's, there's going to be like a pushback. Right. And so I would get a couple days and I would end up burning things down. Cause but I couldn't you, handle give me an example. Um, like I was, there was a, there was an example, there was a situation going on, uh, at the place that I had worked. Um, and it, they basically were, um, it was sort of a, really, it was sort of a racist organization where they would act as if they weren't racist. But then if you look at the management structures, there was no people of color in management. I was doing the work of like easily three people um, and, you know, other departments would come to me with the solutions and I would handle their load of work. Right. Um, and so I had, I had asked for a raise at this time. I was only making about $18 an hour, um, which is below livable wage in Seattle um and i had been sort of like living in my car for about a year for a couple different reasons like one i was trying to get a dog and apartments here you couldn't have like a big dog so i needed to get a place that was that would like allow the dog 
Um, and I didn't want to live with like a whole bunch of roommates. Okay. Um, so there, there were some things and I was like, it's only going to be temporary. Cause I was like, I think I could get a, a, a raise. Right. And I asked for like a $2 raise that still was technically below livable wage. Um, and you know, they kept saying, they kept saying there was no money. And so I kept doing the work, kept doing the work, kept doing the work. And then, you know, every couple months, a new person would get promoted and they would do it where they would change their title and then give them a new title so then they can have a new, um, you know, yearly salary. Right. And so then I'd be like, Oh, Hey, this happened. Can, can I qualify for this? I'm doing all of this work. I technically could be under a manager position. Right. I'm like overseeing things. I'm like, you know, handling all different stuff. And then it would come back. There's just no money, you know? Um, and that happened, I believe four times. Wow. And I kept doing it. And so this time I had had, um, I was almost two weeks clean and I was furious. Um, and I ended up writing a letter, um, to the CEO had wrote, written some letter out to all of the staff. And it was basically saying, you know, we're doing the best we can, you know, against racism and we're trying, you know? And I was, I was just like over it. I was like, I'm sick of these like fake letters. Either just tell me, we actually don't really care about black people and we're just doing our job. You know what I mean? I've been fine, but don't lie to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, hypocrisy is hard. What? Hypocrisy is hard to to swallow. (laughs) Yeah, I would rather you say I'm racist and okay, I know who you are then than right. to say I'm this, but everything you do and say shows something totally different. Hypocrisy right. is disgusting. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I wrote this huge letter. I said like I, I basically replied to her letter, sent it out to the whole team, sent it out to the board. Um, and it was I mean, it was it was accurate. There was no lie, you know. Um, you know, like it was, it was, it was truth. And it was things that like people on the ground level had all been been bringing up for 10 years. And even in the email that she sends out, she says, I know we've been doing this work for 10 years and we're trying, you know? And so it was like, that's a long time, right. To be trying. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so she ends up resigning and I had also a realization of sure. That was what I had done was something needed to happen, but I think that I had acted in a way that was so emotional based. Right. Um, and that if I was using, I might have, well, one, I probably wouldn't have responded. Um, and then two, I maybe then would have done it in a different sort of way. Um, Yes. And so that, so I went back to using after that because I was like, Ooh, that feels intense. That was a lot of emotion, (laughs) you know? Right. Uh, So no one, no one told you write it out, but then don't mail it. (laughs) (laughs) Because those times when we get triggered that something just really sets us off when you're trying to fight the, the right fight honestly and then you know sometimes we can misstep and things that 
yeah, they it, it could have been different. So what did right. you do? Were you still with the company or did you? I stayed for about another six months. I didn't know if they promoted um, you to and CEO. Then, <laughs> what? Did they promote you to CEO? <laughs> no, no, they they kept just being like, there's no money. And then they actually did a whole bunch of other like layoffs and and and, and things. So, um, and then basically made it so now everybody had more work to do. It just was. Yes. You know, a wonderful way. Yeah. Why I call a career prison, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so off and on for about two years, Mm -hmm. um, three years, I guess, um, you know, I would every now and then I would try to get a couple days, um, because I, I also didn't want to be dependent on it. So at that point, I realized it was a dependency. And so I was like, okay, now it would be so nice to be able, I mean, and then back then, right, my my original thought was, I would like to use, but not be dependent on it. Right. You know, um, and had had just, I mean, it took me a long time. I was also trying to get clean by myself. Um, and then, you know, without sort of like a support system. So anytime I would feel an emotion, quickly I would go back and use. I mean, there's this one time I remember sitting at home on my beanbag chair. I've got this huge beanbag chair. Uh, and so I'm just like swallowed in it. And I'm like sitting there. And I remember the emotion of sadness coming in. And it was still very new, right? And my body instantly, I had that time I had, uh, you know, probably maybe a week clean um, and my body instantly got itself up and went out and got high um, because it was like, oh, we don't do sadness. And so at that point, I realized sadness is something I have to watch out for because it's going to it's going to make me want to go out and use. And so I was trying to then get clean while not feeling anything outside of joy and happiness, which is unrealistic, right? <laughs> That's like disaster. <laughs> and when those expectations are not realistic, but it, it, when you're seeing it, it, it's almost that trigger response. Things become habitual. Mm-hmm. And even with, with simple that we don't realize what we're doing all the time. We don't realize this happens. I do this. And because we've created those neural pathways, it's just our brain, just like you said, you spontaneously, you know, just got up and went out like, oh, mm-hmm. when sad happens, I have to go out and get some drugs. Right. I I get that. There's times that I'm saying this is so like, bad, like I'm acting like, but it is the same thing when we become dependent on anything. Right. Uh, yesterday I was doing something. I go, I really want something crunchy. I need something crunchy. And I'm like, you're not having anything crunchy. You're only eating whole foods. You're not. <laughs> and it, just, it was like the same thing. I could feel lonely. I could feel stressed. I could feel something. And there's something that we go to to mm. sort of try to whitewash, paint over, eliminate that feeling. And the feeling's still there. It's right. Like, I've never had an unlonely a pretzel that cured loneliness. <laughs> just right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? 
is the you don't feel lonely pretzels and here's the you're feeling kind of sad here's where like you really aren't feeling too good about yourself now they just stack them in rather than salt no salt gluten-free you know it has an emotional attachment to it (laughs) so when you're started to it sounds like you started to watch yourself Mm -hmm. and pay attention to yourself so that you can learn about yourself, like what was going on that's causing yeah, it, yeah, and I, I, I think that's what it was, and I think that's what was very helpful is that I had the ability to do that uh, because it was something that I had wanted to. I wanted to get clean, you know. I also didn't think I necessarily had a problem, um, but I didn't want to be dependent on something. So it was kind of like, why is this not working? Why am I having to like burn things down? Um, whenever I'm clean, right. Um, you know, how is, but then people are functioning in the world. How does that happen? Um, so journaling played a huge role. Writing, um, was just like very helpful. Um, I wrote my first book called the purpose of anger. Um, and in, in that, as I was writing that, I was, you know, in and out of use, Um, but it really helped me to understand just to really take a a first look at my emotions Okay. because the emotion that I knew of was anger. Um, and so it was like, okay, how do we feel like feel anger, express anger in a healthy way that's productive, that builds connection versus, you know, again, that, that burning things down. Destruction. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that really enlightened me as I'm writing it, I'm getting such clarity, you know, um, and I'm doing, you know, like research and like studies and I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, that's just like that, you know, like I didn't realize, you know, what I came to realize from that was that anger is like a shield. Right. Mm -hmm. And under it, we have like the fear, we have the sadness, the lonely, all those other ones. And anger is just like that alarm in us that's like, hey, something's not okay. You know, you don't feel safe. You know, you need something, right? Um, and so to connect with it in a way where I'm like, okay, what do I need? What's missing? Where, what am I feeling? Instead of, you know, just like crashing things down and blowing people off and, you right. know. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was really a huge help. Um and getting me to to lay down and feel um, the emotions to be able to then take the step, knowing, okay, mm-hmm. when when you're when you're not using these motions are are going to come up. So how do we prepare for that? Okay, so it's like a, you you needed some kind of a plan. Yeah. And was that part of going? You know, working with other people to keep clean. What did you do? So there was this, I I love this, that you had a spontaneous thought that Mm -hmm. what would it be like to be clean? And I was doing this, um, someone was talking about how do you hear from God? Mm. And one of them was, it starts with almost a spontaneous thought. Like, I would have never thought that. Where did that come from? (laughs) And it's almost like, where is that? And he's trying to get, he's planting something, just a thought, just what would it be like? 
And from there, you're like, well, what would it be like? I'm going to start discovering. I'm going to try what it would be like. And then your first attempts are like, this isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Clean is not good. So how did you get to the point to feel like clean is good that you could get on this path to staying clean for a year? Yeah, I mean, that was a long journey. So, and and I don't even think I got to the place of clean is good until I was literally at my one year. Okay. Um, so I started going to NA meetings and building the community there. Um, you know, they had, they had late night meetings, many of the nights. And so I would mostly go to those late night meetings. My energy level was like non-existent. I was tired all the time. Um, and so often I would spend my day sort of like sleeping, walking my dog and then going to a meeting. And it was in those meetings where I would just share my truth, you know, because that's the point of it. You know, it's, if you're just going to show up and just show up, um, you're probably going to hate it and it's probably not going to be beneficial, right? But you have to show up and you have to participate and then you're going to be able to see the growth. So there was a lot of talk around this word called surrender. Okay. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> and, um, well, you know, I'd show up to a meeting, they talk about surrender, another meeting, same thing. So one day I show up to a meeting and I'm loaded. Okay. And they tell you, if you've used today, you know, don't share and just talk to somebody after the meeting. Right. But I, and then they have like a thing where they'll do like open sharing. So it people can kind of like openly share. Right. So the, again, the topic is on surrender. I show up, it's now open share and I start talking and I'm like basically going off a little bit of like, I don't even understand surrender. You guys are sitting here and you're talking about it. And like, what does that even mean? Because to me, I thought surrender meant to basically be captive right? To allow terrible things to allow torment to happen to you. Okay. That was my view of surrender. Well, when you think that you're in captivity, then you surrender. It's like, they still have control over you. Something still has control. You put up Mm -hmm. the white flag, the enemy has taken over now. Right. Yes. Right. So what gave you right. the bold? I see you had to be, if that anger worked out for you once in a while, right? Because you had to be angry to say, tell me what this is. Stop right. saying it. Well, I always ask people, I go, you know, what do you mean by that? And they'll look at me like, what do you think I mean by that? I go, well, I want to know what you mean by that. Because I might right. have a different meaning than you have. So tell me your new meaning of surrender. Now. Right, right. And this guy turns around and he basically says, you know, surrender is just like trusting in your higher power that he's created a path that's just like good for you, right? And to let go of like the control um, and trying to basically figure things out, you know, that it's just, there's some things where you just have to just like, relax into you know um and that really held me this whole year because I got to that place where every time I wanted to control meaning change my emotion right 
meaning getting loaded again, right? I had to then surrender, trust in God to say, I have a path that's better for you. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that kept me going. But honestly, it was not easy. You know, like I well, would obvious. show up to meetings. <laughs> and I would be easy, like, everyone would be on drugs. Right. <laughs> Everyone would be an alcoholic, a spendaholic, into porn, into too much chocolate or whatever. We wouldn't be morbidly obese. You know, none of those things would be happening if it was easy. Right. And uh, I mean, I would show up and I would say, I I wanted to get high today. I still want to, you know, what I'm sharing, right? And it was just, just in that honesty to be able to speak my truth and not try to hide you know, Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling, but to be in it and to be honest about it was, you know, really helpful. Um, and, and I, you know, I somehow, I somehow made it to 30 days, 60 days, you know, um, and as I was approaching my 90 days, so they give you little chips, little, um, he tags. Okay. And for some weird reason, it works. You're like, mm, I want that one. You know, <laughs> they are different colors. Everybody claps for you, you know. Um, so I'm about to get the 90 day tag. And then it goes from 90 to six months before you, so you have to go a whole three months now. Right. Wow. And I'm thinking, okay, how, how do I get there? How do I get from 90 days to six months? Right. And they tell you it's just for today. Right. But I also sometimes have a bigger view and I have this thought I'm walking my dog and I have this thought of, so I'm also, you know, at that time was starting my publishing company and was doing a lot of like reading and research and watching videos and things of, you know, to, to boost up a business. And there was one thing that I had been watching that it was basically you pick a time frame and you set a goal and then you announce that goal with the time frame. Right. Okay. So yeah, for instance, like 30 days, I'm going to do X. Right. So I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a really good idea. So I'm walking my dog and just kind of like processing the day and thinking, and then I have a thought come in spontaneous thought, thought. yeah yeah spontaneous one of those like outrageous like mm, that's actually not me because that sounds like a lot you know yes. okay <laughs> good 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 so I have this thought and it was like I'm, I'm a writer right my first book is a poetry book it's on anger and so I'm wanting to get kind of also deeper in my writing and so I have this thought of like what if you wrote a poem every day for a hundred days and then every day you post that poem so then it shows that consistency right and I was like oh wow that sounds so great but also like a hundred days sounds like a really long time you know but that would have been where it got me because I was a couple days before 90 and it would have gotten me a couple days after six months okay so it was literally a perfect fit But then I, so I I was like, all right, let's do it. I posted it that I'm going to do it. And literally every day I sat down every day and man, God gave me a poem every single day. And I just sat there and I just like 
felt what my heart was feeling. And I was like, I want to know what I need today to heal today. And I want to do it in a way that allows other people to heal as well. Wow. And I finished that. Uh, that got published in November. Um, and then it was just, you know, it just kept going. And then once you get so many days in, right, it becomes so nice to just keep going. Because I, every new day, I had never had that much time before as an adult, you know? Um, and I have a sponsor and I go to meetings um, and I have a community. And, you know, they they tell you to be in this in the middle of the boat, right? So don't sit on the outskirts. Don't just kind of pop in with like, you know, being on your phone and, you know, talking a bunch of like stuff, you know, but like showing up and participating. And it was like, I, I wanted to know what this feeling was like. And I wanted to know if it was worth living like this. Um, and what I've discovered is I'm still creative. That was something I never thought. And I, I and I'm still productive, which I would have never thought, you know, and I'm still so enjoyable. And again, I never thought these were going to be the things that I was going to come out with. And every day for the last year, I was on the verge. You literally, right, you know, just like two steps to, you know, two steps turning to being right back out. Right. And I, I, I sat in my one year and the, the room was full. You know, people gave me their one-year coins. People had one-year coins <laughs> made for me. People bought me these huge sets of flowers. And I realized I am loved for who I am. Because every day I showed up to those meetings and I let myself be seen. So I can't even say, well, if they knew me, then they wouldn't like me. Because right. no, they know me. And so this has been a beautiful journey and I'm, I'm, I'm staying on it. <laughs> I'm crying. That's okay. <laughs> wow. And I think that that's so often we want to hide. We don't believe in our beauty. We don't believe in our giftedness. We don't believe in, you know, the power that we've been given. Mm -hmm. We just believe the lies. And once the liar gets a hold of us, uh, that's Satan for anybody. <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's the proof is always there. It's always mm -hmm. there. See, see, you're, you're not this, you're, you're not able. And ju just to watch it happen and unfold because it is an interesting time when you decide that you're going to step it out and do something very different. You're going mm -hmm. to be set free. So when you had your, your journey of cleanness, I had my journey to get on the other side of grief. Mm. I couldn't do it where I was. Right. I had to go. And, so I have my group, my church group, you know, my golfing group or whatever. And just feeling like no one knows me. No one knows my husband. So it's mm. okay. I can, I can be who I am. They don't know right. any different. Right. <laughs> they don't know the, the old Diane. Well, I am old, but they, <laughs> <laughs> they just know this Diane and it's fine. It's very yeah. freeing. To say I'm I'm stepping out and I'm going to be vulnerable and mm. surrender, and they're going to know the truth about me. The truth right. that it's okay. There is giftedness and talentness, and there's so much power in our story. And you have this beautiful story that now you're helping other people get their stories out. And tell us yeah. a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So um was just also working on my publishing company this year. And it's been great. I've gotten uh I've gotten to help about seven people share their stories with the world um and begin, you know, their their career, whether it's speaking or coaching. Um and I just I, I do believe in the power and the healing of mm-hmm. writing and sharing that with other people, because I know there has been so many times where I have read something that has healed me, you know, allowed me to take another step forward. Right. And um, and in my own writing, as I'm writing, I feel healing, you know, and so I feel like it's so important to allow ourselves to heal by one writing and two then pulling other people up with us and sharing that writing with them. Um, And so really my publishing company aligning purpose is to help other people share their stories that are going to align with the purpose that you are designed, designed for. And that, that is just so cool because when it is, there's times that we want to just, shut it down. And I would write about my grief. And then I said, like, this is pathetic. You know, that wasn't a spontaneous thought. <laughs> it's coming from another source. And I stopped and I'm like, and then I asked on Facebook, like, am I sounding pathetic? Should I continue to share my, my stories? And people are like, absolutely. And sometimes they're goofy. And every time I stop writing store, I just feel this loneliness, like, mm. That's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I go back. I, I have a journal app on my phone. It's seven years. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wrote this seven years ago. It's really good. It's yeah. hidden. We hide. Right. We hide this gift that we've been given, you know, under the bushel. We're digging, you know, burying our talents. And it's there. I, I feel sad about that. Sad that mm-hmm. I do that. Sad when anyone does it. Because somewhere, someone said something that we believed more than we believed that we were gifted and talented and built Mm -hmm. for a purpose. Right. And when that freedom can happen, it's like, oh, (laughs) you know, I can't sing. (laughs) Star was kind enough to give me my uh, celebration. Taking me to karaoke. Uh, and, you know, it's just, and, and to know, like, I would have never have guessed that you struggled with this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens that people can see or outside and look like everything's okay. And they have no idea what's going on the inside. Right. And I think every time we're vulnerable and we can surrender something and share a challenge that we're having ourselves it is going to open the door for other people to say, I thought I was alone. Right. Right. I didn't realize I was the only one feeling that way. And even would you say, well, they're not paying attention to the world. There's just something that you might say that just touched them right where they need it to be touched. So it right. can change that, that direction in their life and open yeah. up a new door can have them be- start believing in themselves because you're believing in yourself. Right you're stepping out, you're being vulnerable. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, again, I think it's so important to write so we can change the narrative that's being played, you know, and letting people know it's safe. 
you can you can write, you can speak, you can you can be yourself. Um, and we all feel emotions, you know. And I think that too that of feeling emotions because we're told that emotions, you know, like we as parents, I just want my kids to be happy. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty low, that's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and I could see that I was as a young mom, I was like, if they were just happy, everything would be okay. And that that's not my job to make them happy. Right. And we, we, we keep on saying we're striving for happiness where there's something different. If we're striving to step out and work against our fears, that feels a whole lot better. Right. Right. I just did that. That was crazy. I stood up and sang karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up, you know, and whatever you're doing is that you're standing up and battling against the fear that feels good. And right. feeling proud about an accomplishment is so much better than happy. Happy's fleeting. Mm. But as you said that just your consistency in writing for a hundred days, that was like a powerful, you know, what I'm saying drug, but it's a different, like it's the counter to the drug, but it was that same thing. Here's this new right. thing that you found that with consistency and not dependency on because it was a freedom right that you're using this and it can it it's helping you fill that void where drugs once were maybe i'm putting words right. into your mouth but um, no that's exactly that's exactly right yeah and when, when we lose yeah. it so well let's encourage one another to continue to write to continue yes. to speak yes to continue to be vulnerable and surrender because he does right. have a plan and I can't right. wait to see what he does <laughs> with you throughout this year throughout the next yeah. year I'm excited it's going to be good <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us this was a very beautiful conversation and you're a beautiful woman and I'm excited about just seeing how things continue to unfold for you yay thank you Diane I had a blast this was great <laughs> Thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Wasn't that a great episode? My hope is that this episode brought you hope. Do you want to be a hope giver? I hope so. And how you can do that is to share this podcast, post the episode on social media, write a review or rate the podcast. This helps engagement and boosts the podcast out to other listeners in need of hope. So thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being a valued listener. And my hope is that you have a great week.